0: Good morning to all of you, and go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 13 this morning. Psalm 13 is where I will be, and uh, uh, as you turn there, I want to just give a quick recap. Our theme this year as a church family is the word abide, and that really important word in God's Word, and so our theme verse is from Psalm 25:13. so let's read that together. Ready? Here we go. My soul shall abide in well-being. Psalm 25, 13. Let's do it one more time. My soul shall abide in well-being. All right. And so I want to um, quickly define it for us and just kind of remind everyone where, where we've been, where we're going. So we are defining abide this way. Your life, staying the night in the goodness of God. All right. That is a very pure b- biblical definition of the word Abide your life, staying the night in the goodness of God. And then if we were to put that word abide into some synonyms, it would be like the word remain or uh, rooted or bearing fruit. Uh, those synonyms would also well define the word abide. It's this idea of, of remaining in the Lord so that you can be healthy and bear fruit for him. And so our art this year is is this that Kate Horton designed. She's great and so thankful for her and her vision for these things. So we think about our lives and our minds and our emotions and our feelings and our world, all of that being somewhat chaotic or not somewhat chaotic, chaotic, right? Let's just be honest. And so there's things going in all sorts of different directions all the time. And then, and then out of that can come this abiding presence with the Lord. It doesn't mean that this is no longer occurring. It just means that concurrent with that is our walk with the Lord right? And before we go to heaven, uh, things here are going to be tricky. They're going to be difficult. They're going to be confusing. There's going to be lies everywhere. We know the truth of Jesus. And so abiding in him is our theme this year. And what better book to get after abiding than the book of Psalms, which is uh, the book of prayers to the Lord that God has given us so that we can relate to him about difficult things that we're facing and feeling and learn how to worship him and pray through those things. So, We listed at the beginning of the year, uh, the ministry year in September, three goals, developmental faith goals that we have as a church family this year. And the first one is this, disciple one another toward good and healthy expression to God. Uh, We talked about how a lot of people in our world today don't really know how to express ourselves and certainly don't know how to express ourselves to the Lord. So doing that, growing that. The second one is developing our worship and prayer culture as a church family by practicing together the Bible's language for worship and prayer, and that is the Psalms. And big thanks to Charles and the worship team for doing that in a wonderful and increasingly excellent way. We're grateful for y'all and thank you for out shepherds us. And then third is to guide one another toward healthy emotions which spring from the Lord and from our knowledge of him. And that has taken place so much in our small groups and thankful for all of that ministry. So Psalm 13 gets after all three of these goals. Uh, and and here's why. Because in Psalm 13, and our title for Psalm 13 is, God, have you forgotten me? Right? In Psalm 13, David felt that God was ignoring him. If y'all ever just like, could you just raise your hand if you kind of recognize like, I felt God has ignored me before, right? Um, So David felt God was ignoring him. So he's praying, and there's no answer. And David's putting forth effort and there's no result. And so David, in the midst of that waiting, there there becomes this gap in his his experience with the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm praying, but you're not answering. And Lord, I'm seeking you, but I don't see results. And so what does that mean about you? And what does that mean about me? And what does that mean about this world and how prayer works and all those things? So all of those are in David's mind as he begins Psalm 13. Maybe... You are there right now. Maybe you're thinking that, like, Lord, um, do you exist? Lord, do you remember me? Lord, do you see me? Lord, I'm, I'm feeling this. Maybe you know someone who is, and you can minister to them from Psalm 13 after our time today, right? I've been there. I know you have been there. We're honest believers here at this church, and so we are so thankful that God gives us phrases like what we're gonna see in Psalm 13, and he puts this together, honest expression toward him. So in, in Psalm 13, God, through David's experience, is walking us down a path to this, um, this big idea. Take your feelings about God to God and let him remind you of his faithfulness, okay? Take your feelings about God to God and let him remind you of his faithfulness. What I'm about to say is really obvious, but I want us to uh, understand it. I want us to, to recognize it so that we can apply this passage well to our lives. And here's what, here's what I want to say. Uh, it is so prevalent in our, in our world and probably within each of us individually if we're honest. It's so prevalent for us to settle in and, and, and to waste away in feeling unseen or in feeling unknown by God without ever interacting seriously about it with God. And I can tell you personally, the most grueling times in my walk with the Lord that I've had are when I feel that gap between what I'm praying and what I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing re- results from those prayers. And I'm like, Lord, what is this? But those times become very formative for me and I know that they do for you, and I know that that's what, that's what the Lord wants for all of us, so we must not settle in and just kind of waste away in those feelings, and, and God doesn't want us to do that, so he's giving us some things today. He's giving us three assurances today for when you are waiting, for when you're feeling forgotten, for when you are feeling unseen by the Lord. And here's the first assurance, okay? You ready? This is a, this is a big psalm. This is one of those that you read, and you're like, whoa, is this okay to pray? And you're like, it must be, because it's in the psalms, right? So here we go. The first assurance is God wants you to pray even your complaints about him, right? God wants you to pray even your complaints about him. Y'all know that joke, like like this is your your inbox for complaints, right? Like, bring your complaints and I'll put them in my inbox and it's a trash can, right? Y'all know that before you ever seen that, like in management culture, right? God never does that. God never does that with you. He wants you to bring what you're feeling about him to him and interact with him about it. That is what Psalm 13 is helping us towards. So why? Like, why why would he say, like, bring your complaints to me? Well, isn't that the nature of prayer in a sense? Right, To, to work out with the Lord the difficult things that you're facing. That is very much the purpose of prayer. God, I don't understand this. I wanna understand this. I don't understand you. I don't understand how this thing exists and this thing doesn't exist and how your love and work and plan mixes in with all of that. All of us feel that. And so God wants us to work those things out with him. So David levies five complaints to God. Look at verses one through two. He says, how long, O Lord? So he's waiting. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Five complaints. Honest, right? Have y'all ever prayed like that? Do you know you can pray like that? right? So we're seeing that here in, in Psalm 13. So what, what is David complaining about And the answer to that is he's complaining about the lack of God's practical help. The lack of God's practical help. How do we know that he's complaining specifically about the lack of God's practical help? Because in the Old Testament, when God says, I remember, and when God says, I see, it means that God is about to act. And, God, and David is not hearing God, God say, I see and I remember, therefore I'm going to. And so because David isn't hearing God do these things or seeing God do these things, he feels forgotten and he feels unseen. It's like David, it's like God isn't reacting, God isn't responding to his prayers, so David, after all of these prayers that he's constantly praying, we know he was a man of prayer. We want to be people of prayer. After all of these prayers that he's been praying, there's no action from God, and that makes him feel forgotten and unknown. And y'all, that is confusing, isn't it? It's confounding to our faith. And we wonder, what, what are you doing, Lord? It's a natural, circumstantial conclusion we make. We're like, something's not right. What do I do about this? We're, we're praying, and there's no answer. And so we go, ah. And then we're praying and there's no answer. And so maybe we just start walking away from the Lord. Or maybe we start making a deal with the Lord. Like, Lord, I'll, I'll come back to you when you, you come back to me. But I want you to notice here that David is not looking to deconstruct because he's facing this. In fact, he's looking to construct He wants to construct what is going on with the Lord during this so that he can construct his faith in the midst of all of that. That is exactly what David is doing in Psalm 13. It's exactly what God wants us to do as we face times of waiting and feeling unseen and feeling forgotten. God wants us to construct our faith in him during those times. It's one reason the Lord allows us the heartaches of waiting. David is trying to figure out, Lord, what is up with this? I also want us to feel, you can read Psalm 13, and I don't know how, how y'all react when you're reading the scriptures, but sometimes you read verses and you're like, man, is David throwing like a toddler ten- temper tantrum right now? Like, what's going on with him? Why is he asking these questions? And I just want to share with you, these aren't tantrum questions or one-way accusations like, God, I'm so mad at you about this. And then you cross your, your arms and you turn around. Like, you don't even want to hear his response. David very much wants to hear God's response. He very much wants to understand what's going on. He wants to know the character of God because of what he's facing. That is exactly what he's doing. It's it's an exchange he's having with the Lord about this. He's not walking away from the Lord. He's walking to the Lord, and he wants the Lord to walk to him. That's what we're seeing. That's what David is experiencing here. I also think here, maybe, maybe you would react and be like, Are these questions really whiny? Like, is it possible to ask questions like this? Can you speak to the Lord about this? Can you complain to the Lord like this? It seems whiny. And I want to say to you, it's not whiny at all. In fact, it's respectful. It's respectful. And here's why it's respectful. It's respectful because David expects God to move because David knows God's promises. It's because David knows that God doesn't forsake, because David knows that God sees, and he's wondering why he's not feeling that God is doing those things, and so he's trying to put all of that together. So he's respecting God by asking these questions and holding God to who he says he is. So his complaining is respectful. It's really important and impactful, isn't it? There's a scene in the movie Saving Private Ryan where uh, the captain is teaching the soldiers, that gripes go up, not down. Y'all remember that scene? If you've seen that movie, gripes go up, not down. And he's saying, you don't don't gripe to one another. Uh, You don't gripe about your commanding officer. Uh, you, You gripe up, right? You gripe up. You take your complaints up. And so thinking about that illustration in that moment and applying it here, if you gripe to yourself about God, that's not up. If you gripe to others about God, that's not up either. And if you, uh, if you let others gripe to you about God, that's not up for them. So what we've got to do here and what we're seeing the Lord show us through David's example here is we gripe to God about God, and then we open our minds and hearts to let him sort it out for us. Right, you, you take your complaint, you take the thing that you're feeling that doesn't make sense to the Lord, you take it to him and you let him sort that out for you and that by doing that is wonderfully respectful to the Lord because you recognize who he is and you recognize what you're not, what you're not capturing about it and you're saying, Lord, I, would you connect the dots for me? Would you connect the dots for me? So, so three assurances today for when you're waiting, feeling forgotten or unseen, the first thing is God wants you to pray even your complaints about him. Right? The second one is this. God's promises abide even when you can't see the timeline. God's promises abide even when you can't see the timeline. And this is the hardest thing, right? Like, Lord, I I think what what I want to happen should happen right now. And God's like, I've got a different plan. And you're like, I want to see the plan. And he's like, I'm not going to show you the plan, right? And so, and so you're you're struggling with, Lord, I, I read your word. I know your promises. Jesus, we want you to come back like yesterday, like the minute ago. But for some reason you haven't. And we see all these difficult things happening. And why? Why? And so we've got to remember as believers that God's promises abide even when you can't see the timeline from verses three and four, right? We on the one hand, believe God's promises, which is awesome, and we absolutely should, but on the other hand, sometimes, we don't see them be delivered in the timeline that we would prefer. And so we struggle in that in between. So what does David do? What does David do as he is impatient, in, I think, a godly way, about God not answering his prayers. What does David do? He prays more. He keeps praying. David keeps praying. So he's praying three and four. And he, these are the things that he's been praying that he's, he's continuing to pray Verses three. This is, the, this is the core of his prayer. He's praying more and more according to God's promises, three and four. They say, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Consider and answer me. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. It means like pour your favor on me, Lord. I don't want to physically die at the hands of my enemies. Verse 4, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. What David is facing is certain death. Again, from a different enemy than we saw in Psalm 3 a different enemy. These are the the enemies of the world's voices and evil around him and wickedness as we've seen uh, through uh, Psalms 9 through Psalm 14. And he's still facing it and the problems aren't going away. And he's like, Lord, why do these problems keep existing? Why are your enemies so loud? Why aren't you silencing them? Why are you letting them get so close to killing me over and over and over? They think they're more powerful than me. They think they're more powerful than you. And God, I'm not okay with that. And so David's praying these promises, even though he doesn't see God's timeline, right? He's got a fist in one hand like, God, why haven't you done this? And he's got a fist in the other hand like, God, I'm holding on to your promises. God, why haven't you done this? And God, I'm holding on to your promises. And what David is trying to do in prayer is unite those things. God's promise and God, I need you to do this. God hasn't forgotten David. God does see David, and David desperately wants to feel that and understand that in the midst of the depths of what he is facing. So so what he's praying here, he's uniting. He's he's like, he's playing the matching game between between his pleas to the Lord and between promises, all right? Y'all, y'all remember the matching game? Like, my kids are awesome at this. I was always terrible at this game, especially if the cards are on an ottoman, all right? I don't know why. It's just like the uneven surfaces. It just messes with my eyeballs. I don't know, all right? So like, you got all these cards, like you got 60 cards, and there's two matches, until so you flip them over, and then you try to memorize what was where, and it's just a nightmare for my brain. I can't do that. When it gets down to like, like 10 cards, I'm awesome at it, all right? But 60, terrible at it. So what David's doing is he's pray, playing the matching game between his pleas to the Lord and God's promises. And, and, and we've got to have a match with our asks and God's promises. Y'all realize that, right? Like if there's not a match, then let's not be praying it. Y'all with me on that? Like there's got to be a match. And so so what David is doing is he's connecting his prayers with God's promises. And I think, honestly, he's going through the difficulty of considering, like, man, I, God, I, these are my desires, but are they your desires? Because if they're not your desires, then I'm not going to pray these things, but they are your desires, so I'm going to pray them. He's doing that work. And so there's even this refining that's happening for him in Psalm 13. So, so here's what he's praying in, in essence, right? He's, he's praying, God, they're, they're trying to kill me but I know from your promises that you have things for me to do, so God, would you preserve me? He's linking his plea with God's promise. The next one is, God, they want to prevail over you, over me, but I know that they ultimately won't, because you ultimately will prevail. So God, would you go ahead and prevail today? Would you go ahead and prevail right now and not let this linger anymore? And then another one, he's praying, God, they are so noisy with lies and with gloating about you and about their strength, and they think they're stronger than you, and I'm not okay with that. But God, I know that one day you will silence them. Would you, would you go ahead and do that, Lord? Would you go ahead and silence them now? So here's, here's some examples for us, maybe a bit more common to our experience, because I'm pretty sure that no one's actually trying to kill you right now. Um. For our experience. Lord, you say in Philippians 1.6 that the work that you started, you will complete. So Lord, would you complete that work for my prodigal kid or my prodigal friend? Right. It's so uniting your plea with the promise of the Lord to finish the work that he started. That's an awesome prayer. Another one would be, uh, Lord, you say in John 13.33 that I will experience tribulation in this world. Well, I am. So would you go ahead and overcome this world, Lord, today? Would you overcome, would you go ahead and do it today? The end of the Bible, it ends with, come Lord Jesus, Lord, would you come today? Another one is, Lord, you say in Isaiah 40, verse eight, that your word will never wither. So while many are doing all that they can to wither it, Lord, would you make it bloom? Would you make it bloom? We know it endures forever, but it's not enduring very well in our culture right now. And so we pray that it would. We pray that it would. And so you're uniting your prayers, your pleas with God's promises. I'll tell you, when you do that, what happens is, at first, before you were praying God's promises, you only had a problem, but now you have the same problem, but with God's promises, and that makes you better. It makes you so much stronger because you've got the same problem, but now you're praying according to promise. Do y'all understand that? You're not just wasting away on that couch of thinking, I'm unseen, I'm, un- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not understood by the Lord. Instead, you're recognizing, I-, I believe God's promise, and I'm gonna wait well for God's promise, and I'm gonna be faithful during that, all right? Um, me and Vanessa love this, love this lady named Heather Headley. And uh, here's, a, here's a, two pictures of her. Heather Headley uh, originated the Broadway role of Nala in The Lion King. That's a picture of her on the left. Uh, as Nala, y'all, this woman can sing. She can sing. And you would have an amazing Sunday afternoon if you were to go home and uh, YouTube Heather Headley singing Heather Headley Lion King and even better, Heather Headley leading worship. Heather Headley loves the Lord Jesus, and I'm telling you, she loves the Lord Jesus. Like, you know when you meet people and you're like, that person's saved, right? Like, before she even talks, you're like, she loves Jesus. You can just see it on her face, the way she talks, and especially the way that she uses her hands. And, and here's what I, I want to show you. When she leads worship, I, I, I honestly don't know that I need the words on the screen. Um, because she's like leading me in worship so it's like she would she would look at someone i'm just going to pick vanessa because my wife i can pick on her a little bit so like let's say heather's just sensing that vanessa's doubting something heather headley on stage would just be like to her right (laughs) and instead of just that which feels real judgy right she'd be like this and then she'd go promise that's what she's doing in this, in this screenshot. I'm not techie enough to figure out how to show y'all. I like, probably could have just told Charles, like, hey, man, can we get a clip of this? But instead, that's her going, like, you're doubting, but here's God's promises. Life is difficult. God is with you, right? This difficult thing is happening over here, and you think God doesn't love you. God loves you. And she's just doing this in front of the congregation. Y'all, I'm telling you, I, I... I I grow in my faith just by, by watching her and her faith. And what she's doing with her hands is exactly what David is doing in Psalm 13. He's saying, here's the plea that we have before the Lord. And we're like, please, Lord, you take a plea, you make it polite, please, right? See what I'm saying? All right, please, Lord, promise. And you're uniting them together. You're saying, I'm over here by myself and all this worry and concern, and then, but I believe in your promise. So now the worry and concern still exists, but it's here now rather than over here. Y'all with me with that? Like how much better that is for us to unite what God says about us, what God says about the future with what we're feeling and what we're facing. That's exactly what David is doing here. When we pray God's promises while in the dark about the timeline, we're orienting ourselves on the promise rather than only on the problem. And that is really big. That is really big. So three assurances today for when you're waiting and feeling forgotten or feeling unseen. First is God wants you to pray even your complaints about him. Second is God's promises abide even when you can't see the timeline. And here's the third one today from verses five and six. God remains faithful even when you feel he's forgotten. God remains faithful even when you feel he's forgotten. And this is so huge. And and y'all notice this is the theme of the Psalms, right? This is what the Psalms do. They take you through what you're facing and they get you back to God's character. That's what prayer does. That's why we got to pray. It gets us back to God's character. Very often the problem isn't solved, but you have God's character on it and you're, you're on him again and you trust him. So God remains faithful even when you feel he's forgotten because David took his genuine gripes to God and he did that respectfully and then he's orienting himself again to God's promises, David ends up renewed and confident in God. Look at this. Uh, Just these two verses. It's amazing what, what has happened in David. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. That word, but, right? It interrupts his worries. It interrupts his doubts. But I have trusted in your, what? In your steadfast love, in your faithfulness, in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So there's a present sense of what he's writing here and then the future thing. He's believing the promises. He's believing things are going to get better. But even today, he's ministering to himself saying, God, I trust you now. I will rejoice then. I do rejoice now. I do sing now. I will sing then. So let me ask you some questions and I want you to confidently answer uh, first service first question wasn't so confident in their answer, so let's beat the first service, okay? All right. Wait, what What did I just do? between? All right, so, all right, here we go. Voice crack. All right, here we go. Had David felt forgotten and unseen? Yes. So confident. Way to go, guys. I feel like I set you up for that. All right. But had David, or I'm sorry, but had God forgotten David? Was David unseen by God? No. And here's where we'll make it it more personal. Are you forgotten by God? No. No. Are you unseen by God? No. Are you unloved by God? No. Are you unheard by God? No. God loves you, right? God loves you. He's with you and he cares for you and he's steadfast. And so there's Three amazing things that spring out of David bringing his his feelings to God, feelings about God to God, and then coming to um, trust in his steadfast love. The first thing is trusting God. He's trusting God. Why? Because of God's love and God's promises, and because God is steadfast. That's why he's trusting God. Are his problems exactly the same? Yeah. But now he believes God's promises again. He's fresh on that. And so he's strong, he's holding fast to the Lord, he's abiding in the Lord, he's trusting God. The second thing is he's rejoicing in salvation. Y'all, that's even cooler than trusting God, right? It's a part of trusting God. Now it's really specific, right? He's rejoicing in salvation. He's saying, even, because I'm saved, no matter what goes down, I'm good to go, Lord. He's rejoicing in his salvation. Even if he is killed, he's saved. It is well with my soul. Rejoicing in salvation. And he's saying, I will rejoice in salvation, no matter what goes down. Heaven is ahead for me, and then verse, and then the third one is gratitude to God. Is that's the next result? And y'all, he's thankful. You realize how profound that is? The first five questions of the psalm were "How long, O Lord?" and at the end of the psalm, he's grateful. But God hasn't given him anything other than the assurance of God's character, and he's thankful. He's grateful. That's so profound. Some of the things we're praying for are we're not gonna we're not gonna get, right? Many of the things that we pray for, we will. But some of the things that we pray for, we won't. But what God will give us no matter what is his steadfast love. And that is so critical for us as believers to understand and to feel and to have. So we've got to get ourselves back to facts about God and let those facts lead our feelings about God, right? Lead with that. And that's exactly what God has done for David. And it's exactly what God is walking us through David's experience to experience as well. What a change for David, What a change for David. Think about this, y'all. God today, God hasn't changed. God isn't going to change. God's promises haven't changed. God's promises aren't going to change. Feelings change. Experiences change. What's going on in our lives, the difficulties that we're facing, those change, but God doesn't change. His love for you doesn't change. He is with you. He loves you. He cares for you through Jesus and his covenant love. He is with you. And so we pray and we take it to him like, Lord, I don't understand. Would you unite my plea with your promise? I want to... I want to give you, just before we get into communion and close here, I want to give you um, three additional pickups from this psalm. The first one is, never stop praying. Never stop praying. David didn't. And I think it's so easy sometimes. You're like, Lord, I'm tired of praying about this. I prayed about it so much, I don't see any answers. just going to pray about something else. Never stop praying. The second one is, reminder is more common than Eureka. And here's what I mean by that. So often we pray and we're like, Lord, give us the answer. Give us the silver bullet. Give us the sneaky way to get through this. But what does God give David? He gives him reminder about God's steadfast love. And we got to recognize that the common thing that God is going to give us in prayer is a reminder of his character. Reminder is more common than Eureka. And then last, value God's peace within as a primary provision. Again, we want the provision to be the answer to prayer or that big amazing thing where the enemies are just like poof and they're gone, right? right? We want that, that would be amazing. We visualize that, we daydream about that, but more often than not, God is gonna give you peace within as a primary provision and let's pray toward that as a primary provision. Right? Lord, would you give me peace in the midst of this storm? Lord, would you give me peace in the midst of this waiting? Lord, I am giving these things to you. You can do something about this, but until you do, would you give me peace within? And God's primary provision for you is going to be peace. And that's one thing that wonderfully comes by prayer. So value God's peace within as a primary provision. As we were setting up the entire book of Psalms, we uh, we'll look at verses or, or chapters one and two and broke those down and recognize these are the introductory Psalms. And uh, they're, they're telling us how to interpret the Psalms. And so we talked about how the big idea of the entire book of Psalms is this. Blessed are you when you abide in Jesus with God's word. Blessed are you when you abide in Jesus with God's word. And so we recognize even if we have these dark, long, prolonged periods of time where we don't have answers, we can be blessed because we're with Jesus. We know we are saved. We know heaven is ahead and we have God's word to guide us, we're blessed. Even if blessing doesn't mean like that answer to prayer has been given to us, we're blessed in a deeper sense that can never be taken away from us because we have the Lord and he is with us. So I wanna ask you, how will you abide in Jesus and God's word even when you are in the dark? How will you do it? And will you turn to Psalm 13? We say, Lord, I'm feeling it. You've given me Psalm 13, you've equipped me with this. How will you abide in Jesus and God's word even when you're in the dark? And I want to encourage you, if you do that, if you abide in Jesus and with God's word when you're in the dark, you will be blessed with trusting him. You will be blessed with rejoicing in your salvation. You will be blessed with gratitude to God for who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do even as the darkness prolongs. And y'all, that is so profoundly powerful, okay? So we're going to share communion here in a moment. And... Uh, I want to aim us to the cross from Psalm 13 in in this way. I, I want you to I want you to think about how Jesus felt forsaken, but Jesus was fulfilling God's plan. Jesus felt forsaken on the cross, but he was fulfilling God's plan. And I want you to think that Jesus' death was unjust, but it provided justification, it provided salvation for all who trust him. And I want you to think that during Jesus' first coming, he brought salvation, and during his second coming, he's going to judge the living and the dead according to whether or not they place their faith in him for salvation. The reality is for all of us, we've talked about in years past, is we live in this moment between the cross and the crown, right? And we want to be disciples during that time, and we want to abide in Jesus during that time, and that time isn't going to be hunky-dory every day, right? We see that in Psalm 13. We experience that every single day of our lives. So during that, who are we going to? Who are we relying on? Are we relying on the Lord who has proven his love for us that he died on the cross, right? Right? Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus calls you friends. He lays down his life for you on the cross because that is an expression of God's steadfast love to you, of how much he cares for you, how he wants to forgive your sin, how if you've placed your faith in him for the forgiveness of your sins, how he's still with you. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us forever. And so let's believe those things afresh today as we reflect, okay? So, um, I want to lead you just through a couple thoughts and you can take any of these and, and relate to the Lord about them, bring them to the Lord. Um, just use any of these as a springboard for your personal prayer reflection here. Um, what are big questions and worries that you have right now? And I, I want to ask you in these moments to bring those big questions and worries to the bigger thing, which is God's steadfast love for you, demonstrated for you on the cross. Right. Another one. What are the the sins in your life that you need to confess? Unconfessed before the Lord? Currently? Confess them now. But don't only confess your sin, confess that Jesus is your Savior from those sins. Another one is where do you need to trust God? Where do you need to trust God? Lord, I feel this. I don't trust you on this. I'm so worried about it. I'm so anxious about it. Where do you need to trust him? And bring those to him. Bring those areas to him and, and trust him and trust his character. Trust his steadfast love for you. And then last, delight in his steadfast love. Delight in his salvation. Delight in his generosity to you. So pray those here for a moment and then I'll lead us in communion.